hear the music, it's time for the Raiders Today podcast with your host, Dwayne Douglas. Today podcast. I'm your host, Dwayne Douglas. The Raiders are fresh off of their first win of the season. Took 45 points, took more than four quarters, but they were able to get it done in front of the home crowd in the beautiful city of Oakland. And we have a special guest on our show tonight. His name is James Arcelano. He is the host of the Black Hole Panther, the Black Hole Banter podcast. You can catch him on Twitter at, at, at Raiders Reporter. That's at Raiders Reporter. Always has some good tidbits on the Raiders and things going around the NFL. Hey, James, how you doing today? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. So just first of all, they won. They're not 0-4, which, is, which would have been kind of crazy to actually watch, to actually watch the team go 0-4. What is your biggest takeaway from – the victory um, this Sunday against the, against the Browns? You know, the victory kind of felt like a little bit more of the same from what we saw against Miami and what we saw against uh, the Denver Broncos. It looks like a team that's close, but then keeps, you know, whether it's uh, missed opportunities and, and, you know, big plays that could have happened that didn't or penalties or a third down uh, where the defense can't get off the field, even though it's third and long, you know, it's just a lot of little things that, um, you know, against the Browns, it ended up being a win. But, you know, the, the previous two weeks, it was close losses because the Raiders can't, just can't seem to get to, um, you know, where you think they're capable of being in terms of both offense and defense. Um, you know, they're constantly leading points on the field, and, and it's a little bit frustrating. So, you know, luckily this time it, it, it turned out to be a win for the Raiders, but they've really got to clean things up if they want to, to, to get more more notches in that win column. Yeah. I'm guilty of it myself, so I can't totally like uh, excuse myself. But are we too hard on number four as as a Raider Nation? Are we? It seems like it seems like every every you know, incomplete pass, we want to you know go draft a quarterback. Um, thoughts on Derek Carr so far this season in this new Gruden offense? I mean, I think yeah, I think a lot of people absolutely are too hard on Derek Carr. Um, I think we're seeing a, a lot of really good things from Derek Carr in this offense so far this season. You know, the only real um, concern I had about Derek Carr came in the second half of the Rams game. I thought in that game, he looked like a lot of what we saw last year, a guy who was just nervous and uncomfortable in the pocket. I think since then we've seen, you know, a much more comfortable Derek Carr who, who's done some really good things. You know, obviously his touchdown to interception ratio is an issue. I'm hopeful that, um, a major part of that is just the learning curve of learning a new and very complicated offense. Um, but, you know, he's putting up, you know, big numbers in terms of yards, in terms of completion percentage, and his highest yards per attempt, which has been historically one of the biggest complaints that people have had was that he dinked and dunked too much. Well, it's not happening this season. You know, he's got a, he's got a, career, um, a career high yards per attempt right now. So 
Uh, you know, I think overall he's looking pretty good to me. Um, and, you know, I think that he's, you know, much like the rest of the team is just, you know, a little bit away from hitting, hitting what could be very, very, um, a lot of success in the John Gruden scheme. Yeah. Um, let's go back, backpedal to the NFL draft. I had Q on not too long ago. I just remember your shows when the Raiders took Colton Miller and he was, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we joked about that uh, when, when I had him on, but Colton Miller, to his credit, against some really solid pass rushers, has has looked pretty good. How was the draft class in the first quarter of the season kind of shaping out to you? You got Hurst. Um, seems like he's coming coming and coming into his own, making um, making making some pressure up front. You got Parker, who's going to make his first start. Didn't look terrible against the Browns. Miller, um, Arden Key. If he could just wrap up some of these sacks, he seems like he's right there on the cusp of getting some sacks, but he's not wrapping them up. And we, we've yet to see Nick Nelson. Um, what, what are your thoughts about this draft class um, so far this year? You know, I think it's been solid. It hasn't been anything spectacular. Um, so far, I think Mo Hurst is clearly the best rookie uh, the Raiders have seen. He's just been, you know, he started off a little slow in the week or two, you know, first week or two, but has just been on fire the last couple of weeks and is really – you know, uh, you you start to understand why people were talking about him as a top five, top ten draft pick before the heart condition came out because the guy is just a beast. You know, a beast, and at, at a position where you don't get to see a ton of guys who can you know rush the passer and crash the pocket like that. So, um, I think he's really exciting. I think Arden Key has improved greatly just from week one to week four. Um, you know, I think not only like you said, he's getting closer to sacks. He he also has cleaned up his run defense a little bit. That was real sketchy the first couple of weeks. And he's cleaned it up. Um, and he talked about Colton Miller. I, I think he's been solid. I don't think he's been you know, he's been better than I thought he would be. I thought he would be, you know, you know, maybe just flat out bad. So he's been much better than I thought he would be. Uh, I think he still has a long way to go before being, you know, justifying, the, you know, the, the choice of him over Derwin James. But, you know, I think he's, again, exceeded expectations of many so far. So overall, I think the, the rookie class has been solid. Um, you know, there's still a lot of time left to find out how, how they will be with the rest of their career. But, you know, I think there's some reason for some optimism. Yeah. Uh, one of the most exciting moves in the offseason the Raiders made was the coaching staff and when they picked up Paul Gunter from, from Cincinnati. What's the biggest – I think we're going to be on the same page with this, but what's the biggest issue plaguing this, this defense right now? I understand there is a defensive end slash linebacker who's not with the team anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but this currently, I mean, what do you see when you watch when you watch his defense? I mean, you know, we don't have to talk about him, but it's the pass rush, right? The pass rush is key to everything. Yeah. Um, when it when it comes to what the Raiders are missing right now, you know, a little bit of edge edge uh, run defense as well. You know, those jet sweeps are killing them the first couple of weeks, so that you know. I guess maybe edge play in general, both pass rush and run defense, are the things that are really killing them. Um, you know, we've seen a number of times where quarterbacks have sat in the pocket for what it felt like forever. Well, that tells you two things. Number one, is the Raiders don't have a pass rush. But number two, that the secondary is, you know, doing pretty well. Because if they're forcing the quarterback to sit back there for five seconds, that means they've got most of the field covered. So, you know, you, you've got some good coverage going on in the secondary. You've got linebackers who I think are improved, though maybe not great. Um, you know, and if you had that pass rush, I think, you know, the, the, the pass defense would be far better than it was right now, obviously. Um, you know, and, and I think with that comes along better run defense. So, 
you know, I don't mean to beat a dead horse or whatever, but that's, you know, that's it. I think that the defense looks far better than it has in the past couple of years. I think it looks organized. I think it looks like an NFL caliber defense. It just has zero pass rush. Yeah. Carr to Cooper. Do you, when they, when they made the pick of Amari Cooper, we all saw him in college. He just tore up the SEC, which is a, which is a tremendous accomplishment because that, that they got pros all over the place in that, in that conference. Are you, did you think you would see, do you think it would be a better combination Carter Cooper at this point with the two, or do you think they're Absolutely. right where they should be? No, I, I, I 100% expected, you know, far greater things from Amari Cooper in particular than I've seen. And that's saying a lot, right? Because he had a couple thousand yard seasons already, which is, which is not, something to just absolutely dismiss, right? He's had some success in his career um, and he's shown some, some sparks of greatness, but I also think that when he came out of college, he was seen as like, you know, plug and play damn near perfect uh, player who could have, you know, massive, huge, big play potential. And we just really haven't seen that. We've seen sparks of it, but we have not seen it on a consistent basis. So I really think that while he's done some very, very good things and, and shown some great things, I, there hasn't been the consistency. There was obviously a huge issue last season, but then again, everyone offense had a huge issue last season. Um, you know, so I, I will say that I think this season so far has it, been very promising what we've seen from him. He has looked absolutely disgusting. There's been a couple of times that Carr has not gone to him where he has absolutely embarrassed the guy covering him. So, um, you know, hopefully we start to see more consistency in Carr going to him more often. But, yeah, absolutely. I expected, like, massively great things from him, and we really haven't seen that. Yeah, that slant and go on T.J. Carey was pretty nice. That was dirty. a pretty good one. Uh, that was dirty. That's not even right. Um, you, hear the, you heard the stories. It seems like every Sunday morning there's a story about the Raiders. Um, and they're going to, until the Raiders win games, they're going to keep having these stories. But you're hearing the story now that there's two front offices. There is a Reggie yeah. McKenzie front office and a John Gruden front office. Do you have, do you think there's credence into that? And then, you know, you have Gruden kind of talking about he won the draft Derwin James, um, you know, kind of playing tongue in cheek with Khalil Mack's trade. Um, just, just, talk, just, just talk a little bit about, like, do you believe that story? Um, but, you know, whether or not you believe that story. And plus, I mean, Gruden is in charge, right? He's the $100 million man. Like, there's no question about who's in charge in Oakland, right? Yeah, I mean, first of all, that, that story isn't exactly new, right? We we heard a very similar story, a different variation right before the draft when, when we heard reports that the Raiders had two different draft boards, that Gruden and his crew had their draft board, and the McKenzie and his crew had their draft board. Um, so, you know, I... I I think that it being re-reported is probably a sign that there is something to it. And I also think that, you know, you just mentioned um, John Gruden commenting about Derwin James and, and kind of throwing McKenzie under the bus saying that he wanted to take Derwin James, but he had already, he had inherited a roster where they had taken uh, safeties in the first and second rounds of, of the past two drafts, um, kind of almost blaming Reggie McKenzie for, for not taking Derwin James, which uh, is an interesting <laughs> theory. Um, yeah. So yeah. you know, I I I mean, I mean, because you know, he could take it if he wanted to. He already had an idea about these guys and wasn't impressed with them. But but that's neither here nor there. Um. So you know, I I think there's probably something there. I would not at all be surprised if if um if uh, Reggie McKenzie is looking for a new job next off season. I'm a little bit you know, given 
what appears to me to be a ton of plot shots that John Gruden has taken in McKenzie. I'm a little surprised that he just didn't just get rid of him last off season, but um, yeah, I think, I think he's, he's very clearly paving the way for a narrative that it was McKenzie's fault that this season has not gone well. Yeah. And um, with, is, is Reggie going to, Reggie seems like a quiet guy when things are going good. So if things are going bad, he's not going to say anything now, but you think he's going to just kind of remain quiet, right? He's not going to come out and, or, or, or say anything, or you know, put something out there through the media. He's just gonna just take this, take this money this year, and then just go find, go find a job somewhere else. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we never hear Reggie McKenzie give an interview ever again. <laughs> yeah, for the Raiders, I would say so. Yeah, I would say so. So let's look ahead a little bit. Um, at one and three, it'd have been nice if they could have just pulled off that Denver game or the Miami game, and then we'd, we'd be talking about a two and two team. But you are what your record says you are. There, they're one and three right now. Uh, can they? Can they win that game on Sunday? I mean, Sunday would be a big win. Get you get two in a row going into the Seattle game, and maybe you can even up this record before you go to the bye. Um, thoughts on the game against? The, the Chargers, I watched the Chargers against the Niners this weekend. They just look like they have a lot of speed on offense that's going to give the Raiders some problems. Thoughts on the Chargers this weekend? Yeah, I think it's a very winnable game. I think it, I agree with your assessment that they, they present some issues. I also think that they are the Chargers and they love to shoot themselves in the foot. Um, and they, they came very close to doing so against a San Francisco 49ers team with their backup quarterback. Um, so, you know, I think they're very beatable. I, I don't think that it's a gimme win by any stretch of the imagination. I think it's, you know, um, a game that the Raiders are going to have to play better than they have in the past. But, again, you know, I, I also think, you know, we saw the Raiders put up 45 points against the Browns. And I think if you – if they had capitalized on a few of the missed opportunities against the Broncos and against the Dolphins, they similarly would have put up a lot more points. So, Again, this is a this is a team that is top five. I think it's now what top two or three in offensive yards, but still you know bottom ten in offensive points. You know, and those two things just don't make any sense. So at some point, you've got to imagine they're going to even themselves out, um, and the Raiders are going to start sort of scoring some more points on a regular basis. And hopefully, it starts this weekend uh, because they're going to need to score some points because Philip Rivers certainly can. No question about it. Marshawn Lynch, tremendous game. Uh, just thoughts about. What he, I mean, because you're, because you're kind of, you kind of speak for the Bay a lot of, a lot, in a lot of ways. Just his, just, just his impact on being a Raider and being in Oakland right now, um, when the team is going to be, going to be leaving, go to Las Vegas. Oh yeah, I mean, Marshawn Lynch is everything to the town. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, I think on multiple levels. Number one, obviously playing for the Raiders right now, but even absent of that. He is a celebrity who is very true to his town. You see him in downtown Oakland all the time. You go to old Oakland uh, over by where his shop is, the Beast Mode shop, you'll see him just walking around Oakland, hanging out all the time. He's very much a man of the people. Um, he's done tons of amazing charity work through Oakland, um, helping a lot of Oakland youth, um, you know, achieve better things in their lives. It's, it's a, you know, he's a very inspirational person to the people of Oakland. So, you know, given the fact that we are losing the Raiders, having – a couple of years with, you know, a local legend playing for the local team is, is, you know, it's a very special thing. Yeah. Um, how much of a hole is that going to, I mean, that's, that's going to be a hole for the community. You got the Warriors doing their thing. They're going to be, they're going to be leaving soon. Who knows what the A is going to do. Um, the Raiders leaving it's, you know, that, that's going to be a tough thing. How was that? How, what, what kind of hole is that going to leave in the city? 
because because this time they're probably gone for for good. Yeah, I mean it sucks. You know what I mean? There's no yeah. there's yeah, no yeah, doubt yeah, about yeah. it. It sucks. It's you know um, I, I grew up in you know uh, the first what uh, eight nine years of my life. I we had a baseball team and a basketball team, and then the Raiders came back from LA, and I had a football team as well, and so majority of my life I've had three professional sports teams in my city and it was very much a significant part of our, um, you know, our self-identity. And so losing them is definitely going to be painful. Um, you know, Raiders for me in particular, just because I'm a, I'm a bigger football fan than I am um, any other sport. Um, but at the same time, you know, you look at, at Vegas and they gave the Raiders what, $750 million as a resident of the city of Oakland who spent my entire life here. I'm very happy that we didn't spend that much money on a stadium for millionaires and billionaires. You know what I mean? There's there's yeah. far more important things that tax money needs to be spent on. So in my mind, it worked out okay. You know what I mean? I, I would not have liked the city of Oakland putting that much tax money into the stadium um, because as much as I love football, I, I love the city of Oakland more. And so, um, you know, and, and the Raiders, I understand why they would take the $750 million. That's a lot of yeah, money. Yeah, so, so it makes sense. You know, it's it just does, the way yeah. kind of things go sometimes, you know, it's, it's business. Okay, a couple more really quickly. Um, you, 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 you kind of chronicled how the Raiders could have kept Mac if they made a couple of moves. Can you go over that one more time? Like if they, if they had signed Mac and cut a certain amount of cut, – cut a couple of players, they would have been able to have actually more – cap room in the in a, in a, in a following season? Sure. So, I mean, here's the thing about the Cleo Mets, right? It's not an ultimate type of thing. The Raiders absolutely could have signed him. What people like to say is they couldn't have. What they should say is that it would have made it more difficult to sign the rest of the team, right? I mean, that's, that's the reality of it. It is a number crunch at the end of the day. But Reggie McKenzie has built this team in a way that allows them to manipulate the cap on a year-to-year basis. We saw it um, you know, throughout his entire tenure since he came in, and it continues to be that way moving forward. So next season, um, you know, and forgive me, I don't have the exact numbers on my head, but Bruce Irvin accounts for something like nine-point-something million dollars um, and, and appears to be pretty overpaid. Um, uh, A.J. McCarron, who's the backup quarterback, will have his salary jump from something like, I don't know, like 750000 this year. He'll jump up to three and a half, four million. Uh, you can cut both of those guys without any cap hit. Seth Roberts is another two to three million. You can cut, cut without any cap hit. Um, you know, and I, there's one or two others I think I mentioned. But anyway, you add all that money up, along with the fact that the Raiders were already projected to have an immense amount of cap space next year. I think they're originally uh, they're estimated to have 60 million. If you had signed Max to the same deal that he signed the uh, with the Bears, that would be 22 million. Knocks you down to 38 between Bruce Irvin, Seth Roberts, A.J. McCarron, and uh, Obi Melifong was the other one who, who I was um, using. That gives you another something like $16 million. You know, you're right back up to what, $50 million, $50-something million dollars in cash space and free agency. That's not too shabby. That's, that's some money you can spend to build a team around them. So, um, you, you know, I think it was a lot of, of um, overreacting to something. In reality, I think it all boiled down to the fact that John Gruden just doesn't think defensive players are worth that. Yeah, it's crazy because I mean I think only Sean wasn't only Sean Gilbert the only guy who sat out a whole season, and you got Le'Veon Bell coming back after week seven looks like. So uh, I, th- I think if you know if they could have got to five hundred and Khalil you know came back, that would have been a nice thing for the Raiders. Um, just the other day, somebody texted me the other day. Uh, Raider fans text me all the time, and they were asking they wanted me to ask you in the Bay Area you see a lot of Raider jerseys, 
Is there any time at any point have you ever seen somebody wearing a Reggie Nelson jersey? <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> I, have, I was I, I, I have never not even at the Coliseum have I ever seen a Raiders Reggie Nelson jersey. <laughs> That would be because somebody texted me that and, I, and they, they were like, like oh, you're going to talk to him? Like, I got to ask him that question at, at a game or at a game or just around, around Northern California. I don't know how I would react if I saw somebody in a Reggie Nelson jersey. That would be, that'd be tough. To, that'd be tough. That'd be tough. Probably so, the same way I, guess, I reacted to the question, just laughing. Yeah, that's crazy. Listen, um, big fan of the show. You guys do a great job. Um, thanks for coming on. And, you know, we'll see what the Raiders do in San Diego this week. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. When it comes to your heart, every second counts, which is why Palomar Health's nationally recognized heart and vascular center provides award-winning care close to home. Here you will find an expert team to help you and those you love live longer and healthier lives. We know the most precious moments of life are felt with the heart, and caring for yours is our passion. To learn more or find a doctor near you, visit palomarhealth.org. We are Palomar Health. Passion. People. Purpose. When it comes to your heart, every second counts, which is why Palomar Health's nationally recognized heart and vascular center provides award-winning care close to home. Here you will find an expert team to help you and those you love live longer and healthier lives. We know the most precious moments of life are felt with the heart, and caring for yours is our passion. To learn more or find a doctor near you, visit palomarhealth.org. We are Palomar Health. Passion. People. Purpose.